0: Champs hey, Lunch! lunch. Hey. What's up, buddy? Hey, hey, look.
1: Hello and welcome, everyone, to Champs Lunch, a showdown podcast from the hosts of Some Like It, Scott. I'm Scott Harvey, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Scott Sheldon. Scott today we will be running through the gambit of matches that we got in August 2019 uh, in the movie Trivia Schmodown. It was a very busy month in the Schmodown, uh, mainly in the singles division, but we also had one of the uh, biggest team ma- teams matches of all time and something we did not see coming uh, certainly coming into this month. Uh, not something we talked about in our last episode because no one really saw it coming. Uh, but we'll get to that in just a second. First Scott, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. I'm recovering from the fallout of our very stressful two-and-a-half-hour, well, <laughs> really stressful hour, a couple hours after our live stream last mm-hmm. night when we thought everything had been bad and we lost the uh, lost the stream. But uh, we were impatient. Well, I was impatient more so than than, than either of us. So I, I've main, mostly recovered from that uh, after having a couple of stress streams about it probably.
1: Yeah, you know the kinks of working out a new system of doing these streams on YouTube. Uh, there's always going to be some some terrifying moments, but that was that was something we had uh, we had not expected. But uh, luckily, patience is a virtue, as they teach us. And uh, the whole episode is up there now, and I hope that uh, you guys will go check it out either on YouTube uh, or over on the podcast feed where you're listening to this. Um, yeah, and we,
0: I realized we did, we didn't even say it was our best of the decade episode yeah, last night. Yeah, so, yeah
1: that's what it
0: was. It was a big yeah.
1: episode, two and a half hours. It was, we had a great discussion uh, and yeah, people should definitely check it out because uh, we worked pretty hard on uh, making that happen. So uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, Scott, let's get into the Schmodown action uh, for August, 2019. Cause we have a lot to cover. Of course we did do our singles uh, ultimate Schmodown bracket predictions. Um, also on, you can also find that on YouTube or um over uh, on the podcast feed or on Facebook as well. Um, Cause we were, we streamed that episode as well. So for that reason, we won't be predicting really any matches to come in the next month uh, because it's going to be taken up basically by the singles tournament. Uh, we do have the uh, Rocky exhibition match between Christian and Dagnino and there's that undercard match in uh, Arizona between the Wildberries and late to the party. But other than that, it's going to be all singles. Uh, so, we're, instead we're going to talk about a little bit of kayfabe at the end but first let's get into those live events we always like to kick off our discussion by talking about the live events and we had two this month um and the one we didn't know that we were going to have coming into the month uh was the Shirewolves versus corruption live stream uh this match of course came about because the shire Wolves, uh retired um out of the blue kind of Christian announced that they were going to be having a special on the YouTube channel, uh, in which he would be sitting down with, uh, the Shire wolves to talk about their careers. And I think from that point on, uh, everyone kind of suspected that maybe some sort of announcement like this was coming, or we didn't really know what the degree of it was going to be, whether it was, you know, one person stepping away, uh, because when these specials usually do happen, of course the same one happened with Sam Levine, uh, it usually spells retirement. Um, And that, you know, unfortunately, it wasn't just one person stepping away. Both of the Shire Wolves decided uh, to step away from the Schmodown. Clark Wolfe is going to be on the desk for some matches coming up. Uh, She she has expressed some interest in doing that, but we won't see her playing. Rachel has said that maybe we will see her play next year in an exhibition match or something like that. But it seems like they're pretty much done for now. Um, And, you know, hats off to them. They accomplished so much. I, I do think they're probably the greatest team of all time, uh, right up there with the Patriots. Um, and, you know, what they did for uh, representation in the league as well uh, was massive. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that and talking about the aftermath of the match. But the match, um, their first, first time facing off against Corruption, of course, um, mike and rachel with a long rivalry and uh singles and inner geekdom uh but this is their first time facing off in the team's division and i think we kind of felt like coming into this match that the x factor was going to be chance ellison uh because you know we know what the other three people can do and we know what chance can do but he is still young he is still um you know relatively new to the showdown and relatively new to big matches uh, under the lights like this one um But Chance did not disappoint and really set the tone from the beginning with a perfect round in round one um, and kind of gave Corruption uh, a lead that they would hold on to for most of the match. Uh, Of course, it helped that once again, they were able to uh, get James Bond in round two um, and run through that as they normally do. It seems like they've had an unbelievable string of luck, whether it's Kalinowski in singles or Corruption in teams with getting James Bond uh, on the wheel. And of course, being able to run through that, um, is huge. Um, and, but the, the buzz around, it looked like the Shirewolves might be able to gain some momentum back. Um, Rachel got the first two questions, right. But then chance came back, uh, and restored the cr- corruption with a four point lead, I believe going into round, uh, number five. Uh, and it, the Shirewolves had an uphill battle ahead of them. Uh, they got their first two questions, However, and Corruption missed their first two questions, missed their two and three, uh, which meant that Corruption needed to answer their five-pointer, um, which they were able to do, bouncing it back to the Shirewolves. Scott, at this point, I was standing on my feet in my room watching this uh, on my computer, watching the live stream. Um, really I wanted the sh- I, I was doing the same. Yeah. Uh, I really wanted the Shirewolves to go out on a high note. You know, knowing, of course, that their legacy would be intact no matter what happened in the match. Um, It would have been amazing and awesome to see them pull out the last answer. Uh, But that's not what happened. Um, They were unable to come up uh, with the answer to a question about um, 12 monkeys. Uh, And as a result, Corruption is the new champion uh, giving Mike Kalinowski uh, his second belt, uh, the first person to win two belts in the same year. Um, because of course he, he's got the inner geekdom belt and now the team belt teams belt. Um, and so a great accomplishment for him, of course. Um, but tough to see Rachel and Clark go down like that. I think you'd agree with me.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, Rachel won the inner geekdom, the team's belt in the same year as well. So I don't think he's the first person to do it, but. No, no. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't know what well, Christian was talking about then. Because I think yeah, they want it, they want it back at Collision, so yeah. they lost it, and want it back. But uh, yeah, no. I think that when it's hard to understand. I mean, so I guess to back up one second, you know, in the, in the number one contenders match with the founding fathers, we talked about how critical Mike was for that match and how I mean he had a perfect game in in that match. And then you switch over, and this is the hallmark of the best teams in the league that both players are fantastic. And you know, one player is you know a thousand percent on one day, and then even if they're just even slightly below that level at this top tier of the showdown, their other team member can pick up pick up any sort of slack at all. Not that Mike was slacking off whatsoever, but Chance coming back here almost having a perfect game himself. The only question he missed was his two pointers or his, his three point question. I think he had the two point question. Uh, it was it was, a class, it was a classics question that Mike knew the answer to, um, but but Chance didn't. And I think that just goes to show how good of a team they are i mean we've talked in that with that exact same structure exactly about the Shire wolves before about how when clark may have had an off day rachel pick up the slack and then last season when rachel had an off day clark would pick up the slack and and that's that's exactly what you saw what you've seen here with corruption in the last two matches and it's difficult to understate exactly how much chance uh made was the x factor made the difference not only did he have that first round you alluded to this but when corruption was a little bit on their heels. Their backs weren't necessarily against the wall yet, of course. But, you know, when they were on their heels in round four in the speed round, uh, Rachel Cushing getting the first two questions right, Chance is the one who buzzed in for the next three questions and got every one of them right to restore that four-point lead that you were talking about. And that made all the difference because maybe they over strategized a little bit in round five. We've seen it happen. Uh, not Well, th- not for the first time this year. We've seen that happen, and we saw it with Inky and the Brain overthinking there round three strategy against the family, I think it was, or mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh and they even admitted after the match that that's kind of what they did. You know, they they kind of went against what their normal standard structure would have been that Mike would take the two and chance would take the three because they thought chance might know classics better than Mike, I suppose. I don't really know what the logic would be there. But uh, yeah, they they messed up the strategy a little bit and almost almost paid for it. I thought they were going to pay for it, but then got that got a big five point pull there. And then the Shower Wolves A deep cut on Twelve Monkeys. It's understandable that uh, it's not a not a given that you'd know the answer to that question, but an absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible run, year and a half long run, maybe even a little bit more. I don't know exactly their debut match, what their debut match, what when when it was, but an incredible year and a half run, and you can understand the toll that it's taken on both these people, particularly Rachel, who's been competing in every division over the course of that time period, and it's obviously extremely sad to see the two of them go, but. What better tribute for them to go within this type of match going down to the final question and then to get those, the you know, the interviews, the tributes afterwards uh, that yeah. really, really uh, hit several chords. All the chords, maybe you could say all the heartstrings. And it was a it was a fitting tribute, even though it doesn't necessarily make up for the fact that they're still going to be leaving us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the aftermath of the match was really the highlight of this event for me. As good as the match was, um, seeing those tributes and you know the the long tribute video that Eric from Nerd Chronic, you know, who does an incredible job with all the Schmodown promos, put together. But uh, this in particular, I think, was uh, was so great because you not only did you have you know every competitor you could imagine in there, but you also had a ton of fans and you know some of the. Uh, people from the fan leagues and the reaction channels and you know all the people who are as much as part of this community uh, as you know the people that the people who play in the schmodown that's that's one of the things that makes the schmodown so great uh, and why we do this podcast because uh, the the schmodown uh, community makes uh, the fans feel like such a such an intimate part of the the group and uh, all you have to do is go to a live event um, to 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 see that firsthand. Uh, But even if you don't, you know, seeing the way that they included so many fans and stuff in this video um, shows, you know, that what, what Christian has created. And I I think, you know, shout out obviously to the Shire Wolves as well. And, and you know, what they did for this league cannot be overstated. Um, But shout out to Christian Harloff as well, because, you know, he's the one who created this community. He's the one who created this game. And, you know, he, he has to be proud looking out at, what he's created, what he's created on a night like this and seeing people literally moved to tears by a movie trivia show. Um, you know, that, that of, of course the Shirewolves wolves impact on the league has something to do with that. But um, it was because of that community that the Shirewolves wolves did have such an impact on the league. And Christian is really the one, uh, you know, as much as, you know, probably more than anyone who uh, created this community and uh, makes everyone feels like such a great part. So, um, Nothing but praise for uh, the Shire Wolves for Christian and for um, you know the Clark, Schmodown
0: community. Do what a little credit to Mark too.
1: Yeah, of course, uh, yeah. and and the entire Schmodown community um, for you know letting us all be a part of uh, something really special. And, and this was just the latest example, but you know one of the best examples. Listening to what all those competitors had to say, and uh, you know seeing Kalinowski and John Roca and Mark and Draco. Uh, actually come out into the studio and and talk about what the Shire Wolves meant to them and meant to this league. Um, It was all from the heart. It was all authentic uh, because, you know, I've said this before. I've said this after we went to Houston. At their heart, most of these people are fans of the game, just like we are. Um, And you got to see that on full display um, in this tribute to the Shire Wolves. And I can't think of a better way to send off uh, two of the best players that this league has ever seen. Absolutely. All right, Scott. So that was the the surprise live event that we got in the month of August. Uh, the second live event, which we knew was coming, uh, just happened this past uh, Saturday evening in New York City. Um, two huge singles matches, starting off with a first-round tournament ultimate showdown match between Ethan Big Time Irwin uh, and Haley Fouch. Um, you know, Scott, we... I think obviously if you saw our prediction special, we both had Ethan Irwin winning the tournament. Um, So we had a lot riding on this match in terms of our brackets. Um, And it's safe to say that our boy big time did not disappoint. Um, You know, Haley, obviously a really strong player, but Ethan was able to make fairly quick work of her. And this, this match turned out to be kind of the formality that we, we had an inkling. It might be.
0: Yeah. It ended up being a a TKO, which You know When we talked about it, I don't know if we necessarily thought it would be a TK, but we weren't surprised that it wasn't uh, necessarily a difficult win for Ethan. I think Haley had a a little bit of trouble getting started early on. She had, I don't want to say some easy misses that she missed out on, but some ones that I would imagine after the match she was kicking herself a a little bit, and that put her in a hole early. And when you get in a hole early to Ethan, uh, the dirt just starts getting piled on you, and it gets tougher and tougher to dig your way out. She didn't get horror in round two, which is really the thing that – she would have needed to to, to keep it closer, or at least to force Ethan to answer one of his third round questions. Cause honestly, the way Ethan steamrolled through his category, I think he got seven points maybe, uh, in, in his own category. It was always even in a close, even if Haley could have kept it close in round one, she probably wouldn't have had a lead, uh, going into round three. And so unfortunately it didn't end up being a TKO, but, uh, it, yeah it, it's just kind of how it shook out which is desperately what my bracket needed because the other matches we're going to talk about in a second <laughs> i both predicted wrong so
1: yeah uh you know Haley, maybe the lights got to her who knows she was up against the buzzsaw um and i'm sure we'll get to see her pro- most likely in the team's tournament playing with the scream queens uh and maybe you know they can pull off a first round upset there but a tough draw for her but i know that we'll see her back in the singles division uh soon and probably doing good things so uh on the other side, Ethan moves on um, as we expected. And, you know, he looks like he's back and in full form. So uh, I'm at least after this first match, I'm feeling good about uh, having him going all the way. But, you know, stranger things have happened. Um, and we'll talk about some of the strange things that have already happened in the tournament. Yeah. Um, and, and in
0: the second round competition, I mean, the, the, there will be a sharp increase in the difficulty curve. Sure. Uh, in the second round, regardless of who comes out of the chance versus Bibiani match. It, you know, it could be that rematch we talked about already, so I don't need to spend too much on it, but it could be the rematch from last year's tournament uh, or it could be Bibiani, who he's lost to already. So uh, a lot could be riding on that quarterfinal match for our brackets.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Scott. Um, and the other match we got in New York was the singles title match. But before we talk about that, uh, we should talk about how we got there, uh, because, of course, we had two matches in this sort of gauntlet uh, to determine who is going to face off against Paulo Yama at this event. Uh, first, we saw Mike Kalinowski against Ben Bateman, two of the biggest personalities in this league. Uh, and the trash talk going into the match, really, it didn't disappoint. Um, the match Top on banter. the other What's that? Top banter. Yeah, it was. The match, on the other hand, uh, maybe wasn't quite as high scoring as we expected. Um, both players struggled with a couple of answers in round one. I believe uh, this was the match where Mike put Blade Runner 2046 instead of Blade Runner 2049 for an answer. He did. Um, yeah, he did. Yeah. So uh, a little bit of rust there for Mike, maybe not playing in singles for a bit, um,
0: going up it actually again. actually might have been the Snyder match. I'm not sure. I watched I, them back. I, mean, I thought it was back. the Ben match, but yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, in one but, of them, he said Blade Runner 2046.
1: Yeah. Uh, but Ben actually led this match going into the final round, I believe. Um, I, I believe he had a one-point lead. Um However, in that final round, uh, he wasn't able to come up with the answer to his final question, uh, and Mike Kalinowski uh, was able to come out on top and move on, uh, you know, again, continuing his huge hot streak um, that he has been on, uh, whether it's winning the team's belt, winning the intergeekdom's belt. He really did look unstoppable uh, after this match. Even when he didn't play his best match, he was still able to come out on top, and looking across the aisle to Ben Bateman, I mean, the horseman curse continues.
0: Yeah, they're going to need to break that sometime soon. We'll see if Orlando is the place where they can break it. But, yeah. yeah, it was a tough one. It was a tough one for Ben. Obviously my guy. I'm not wearing my Team Bateman shirt right now. But, it, yeah, he he didn't have his best match. I still think it was an overall really really good match, though. I think there there was some struggles and maybe some misses that you'd hope that neither competitor would make in future matches. But, still, it, it was a good match. I think that... Still, proof that you know between him and I mean Kalinowski has a belt, but the people who aren't going to be the people of the be of the people competing in the tournament, they proved that they uh, are worthy of it. Even if you know, even if they're not Bibiani, if they're not Irwin, they're still in the conversation of best singles players out there right now. And so Bateman holding down the fort of best best player without a belt. Still, I think it's fair to say, and it, we'll see. You know, we talked about how with that loss, Ben ended up on the left side of the bracket which is probably the better side of the bracket to be on mm-hmm. and uh you know anything can happen in, in the tournament we saw it already happen with, between uh, Howard Stacy Howard and Mark Riley which we'll talk to talk to talk about a little later on but hopefully he has a clearer path to at least the semifinals than uh, even Earth, Ethan Irwin, for example so it disappointing loss for him I I think that he'll be kicking himself and probably every person in the horseman right now is kicking themselves after their most recent losses uh but we'll see he has he probably has the best chance to redeem the horseman the quickest I mean one because Mark's already out Mark Riley's already on the tournament uh but two because he's I mean I guess Roka could redeem it I just don't see Roka going that far I just think Ben has the best chance to redeem the horseman right now
1: yeah, it is good for him that he'll get right back on the horse, no pun intended, um, and get to play in the tournament, probably get at least one win under his belt, um, you would think, which is gonna do uh worlds for his confidence and for the confidence of the horseman as a whole, because it's gotta be low right now, uh, given the string of losses that they're on. But yeah. they're still gonna get their chances. Um, they certainly are. Uh, but after this match, we saw Robert Meyer Burnett, the interim commissioner, um, imposing his will and uh instead of, you know, making Snyder wait to play Kalinowski or making Kalinowski wait to play Snyder, rather, uh, calling for the match to happen immediately. Uh, so, you know, we had our interviews and then the, uh, the players came back out. Kalinowski came back out and Snyder came out uh, for this number one contender match. Of course, big narrative going into this was Snyder's third chance at a number one contender slot. He lost to Harloff the first time. Uh, he lost to Bibiani last time in that match where he really sort of had a meltdown. Um, and so it was kind of, could he get over the hill? Um, again, p- the players, both players struggled a little bit throughout
0: the match. Yeah. Uh, round two, especially was rough for Mike. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought Mike was out of the match in yeah. round two. I think he got like three points and Snyder still like half his questions, I think. Uh, but then Snyder struggled almost just as much as him. Yeah, sure. he did.
1: It, it it really fell over to Snyder to sort of put Mike away in the second round. And Snyder wasn't really able to do that. He was able to pick up a few points, um, it, uh, you know, enough to have a solid, I believe, three or four point lead going into the last round. Um, but, you, you know, he could have easily pushed the match into almost knockout range if he had uh, had a better second round. Um, so he, he kept, he kept Kalinowski around and, and, you know, you just wondered going into this third round with the run that Mike had been on, was he going to be able to, did he, did he have a comeback in him? Uh, you know, was, was the magic still there? Uh, and it wasn't there anymore. I think, I don't know if the, having to play back to back matches, uh, got to him if maybe fatigue set in, but, um, he looked a little rattled on his last two questions, his three and his five, which he was unable to hit. Yeah. Um, and he was unable to hit either of them. And Jeff Snyder was the winner of the match. He did get over that hill um, and get himself to New York for that number one contender match. And I think, Scott, you know, the manager of the year debate has been raging on. Uh, but I think this, a- after the odd couple lost, the belt again I think Roxy maybe dropped a little bit down on the list but I think this thrust Roxy back into the conversation for sure yeah. uh, up there with Kaiser and with Grace and Ken over when we, you know what they've been able to do with corruption uh, which I think can't be discounted as well um, as much as the the hyped up narrative has been Roxy versus Kaiser uh, I think Roxy's back in there now I don't know if I would put her number one on my list but uh, it's an interesting conversation
0: yeah I guess to tackle the match and then I'll, I'll- Share my two my two cents on that on that topic about Manager of the Year as well because it it came up at the live event too with the has, well, I think Kaiser had the hashtag M O T Y at the end of one of his videos there mm-hmm. but yeah the match you you talk about Kalinowski looking tired and you don't know maybe it's back to back matches maybe it's just the culmination of all of these matches he was playing I mean granted this was taped before the corruption or the Shire versus corruption match so the order that we're seeing in them is is always a little bit mixed when you have a live event interspersed with matches that have been taped. But I think in both matches, you know, I talked more about Ben in the last one, but to kind of fuse both matches together here, I think one thing that I noticed even in the match with Bateman is that Kalinowski looked really exhausted. And that was even more true uh, in the next match as well with against Snyder. I mean, I'm sure that they knew that they would be playing another match after the first one. Yeah. Um, I, I mean I'm I'm sure that wouldn't be thrown on them like that in a surprise form. I mean, obviously it is for us with the kayfabe, but I think that it just the, the weight of knowing there is another match maybe coming after and that was exhausting well, enough. Okay. And I
1: I also think that the way Mike plays the game probably has an impact on that as well. Like I think if you're talking about somebody like Ethan Irwin who's just yeah. you He's know very there. very relaxed, uh, I think he probably wouldn't have uh you know, worn on him so much to play back to back matches, but Mike, he commits so much. He, he expends so much emotion in a single match. Yeah. Uh, he's that, intense. Yeah. Maybe he was uh, exhausted to your point.
0: Yeah. And, and so, yeah, it's probably a combination of the two things, right? Like the, his high intensity way of playing the game, the fact that he, he hadn't yet won the team's belt, but knowing also thinking about that on the horizon and he has number one contenders match, with uh with against the founding fathers with corruption i think that it probably all just added up to a little bit too much but it's great to also see him right back in the tournament just like ben you know i think after the match he looked tired but he also looked hungry again and yeah he he made a couple sloppy errors whether they were all in the snyder match or they were spread across the snyder and bateman match uh honestly i can't remember probably probably spread across both but i think that's another sign that he probably was a little bit tired and especially the rookie move that he made in, I believe it was round three with his three point question. Yeah. Flash Gordon. So yeah. We, uh, we should really talk about that. Right. So he, so he got his two point question correct. And then his three point question, uh, he had a, it was a question about Ted, but the answer was flash Gordon. And he did not listen to the question carefully enough and said the, he name, said the actor's name, yeah. he said the actor's name rather than the character's name. Or the movie's name. The movie. I think it was asking for the movie. Yeah, yeah asking yeah. for the movie that the two people, that Ted and from. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he didn't listen to the question carefully enough. And Christian was going to give it to him right if he just stopped talking, which I disagree with. He would need, he would need to finish the the movie name because he was going. If he had stopped at Flash, Christian would have said would have given it to him according to Christian. But that's wasn't the whole. That doesn't matter. But the point is uh, a lapse in in focus. A lapse in. Uh, you know, it was a rookie mistake. He admitted after the match that it was a rookie mistake, and uh, I, I think that, again, that's another sign of exhaustion, of, you know, just slightly, uh, like a slight a slight lapse in focus just from the number of matches that he'd been playing and the, and that intensity that you're talking about, that intensity of the, at which he plays the matches, even in that specific question. And so I don't think that's a mistake he's going to make again now when he's back here in the singles tournament whenever he plays his first match against Janine, a rematch familiar this year. I don't think we'll be seeing that same mistake, but I think it also shows that Snyder uh, and you know you can also talk about this when we talk about the live event. Well, the the championship match in a second is just maybe the most clever tactical player of of the game. He he doesn't miss a beat when it comes to uh, the rules. He probably studies the rules more than he studies movie movies, which is all fair and good because it's the rules.
1: Yeah, and yeah, I, I do think that you know, you talk about what Christian said, but I think for the most part, this was handled the right way. Uh, you know, everyone was very yes. careful about what they were you know, to say and to not say um, when Mike was kind of acting confused about, you know, why everyone was, you know, pausing when he gave this answer. Uh, I think that the right, uh, th- they handled everything the right way and the right result was ultimately reached. And yes, yeah, Snyder definitely played a part of that in his understanding of uh, of the rules as well. Cause of course he, he, he has been embroiled in controversy before. Um, so that's probably he thinks, why. He speaks out controversy though. To be yeah, <laughs> he, do, he does, but yeah. that was, that was nothing of his own doing right there. No. Um, but yeah. Did you want to say something about the manager of the year conversation?
0: I do. Yeah. So I think a lot of it depends on how you define the manager of the year. If you're talking about pure results oriented, and, and I think that's how many people think about manager of the year. I, I have a hard time uh, putting, putting Roxy above, above Kaiser, uh, even maybe above corruptions managers, uh, Grace and Ken. But when you talk about what you're able to do for your, for your faction members and, and, and coaching them and managing them in that way, I think it's hard to dispute that the person who manages the best, and like an individual the best, is Roxy. And, it, you know, you talk about what she's able to do for Snyder. I think you see it in this match that we're talking about right now. And you definitely see it in the live event match that we're going to talk about in a second. She's just the best manager from getting the most out of her particular player. Now, maybe you can say most players don't need to be managed as much as Snyder needs to be managed. Uh, I can't, I don't, I don't know enough in, uh, inside baseball in the Schmodown to be able to say that. But I think it's really hard to dispute that she adds a lot to uh, what Snyder, Snyder accomplishes in the league. I am. I can't. I can't assess as much how much Kaiser, uh, etc., or you know Grayson can add to their individual players. Especially, I mean, while they're playing the match, because that's really all that we can see. They may. They may work miracles for them outside. Outside matches. Yeah. They have a role outside. Outside the ring as well. But from what we see as spectators of the sport, it's hard to dispute that Roxy maybe does the most as a manager for her person again I think it maybe ultimately boils down to how you wait in the ring versus out of the ring and results versus you know bettering your your players but I think I probably would go Roxy for one of those definitions and uh, Kaiser right now for with, with the other definition
1: yeah because I think talking about what goes on outside the ring I do think that Kaiser practices a lot with Smets and yeah. uh, you know a lot of the the whole dungeon and and Smet's you know practicing with all these flashcards and everything. Uh, I think Kaiser plays a huge part in that because I know that they are friends and and uh, Kaiser was the reason that Smets really got in the league in the first place because he talked to Christian. He's been friends with Christian. And, uh, you know, after after Smets tried and failed the first time to get in the league, uh, Kaiser really begged Christian to give him another chance. And he did so. um yeah. Um, it, it's an interesting conversation and one we'll have more at the end of the year because of course there's still a lot, uh, to happen. And, but, but talking about the title match that happened in New York, um, you know, you, you talked about Roxy playing an impact during the match. And I think this was uh this was an example. Like we, uh, we saw, or we could, we could hear her from the crowd, uh, especially during the climactic moments of the match, uh, calling out and encouraging Jeff and you know, Jeff is obviously we've seen what can happen when he uh, gets down on himself in a match. Uh, he can completely shut down. But uh, to Roxy's credit, he didn't do that here. Uh, it was a it was a close match, uh, Scott, um, against Paulo Yama. You know, this was one of these more defensive title matches um, yeah. where uh, lower scoring, you know, ma- makes me think of like the Harloff Merle match from uh, back in the day. Um Paul Oyama actually missed all three of his uh, his round five questions. You know, uh, Snyder looked kind of dead in the water uh, going into the last round. He looked dead in the water at several points in this match, to be quite honest. Uh, yeah. But going into that last round, uh, you really thought that uh, Snyder was uh, pretty much toast with the the breadth of knowledge that Oyama had. But Oyama got three questions about things he didn't know, um, and maybe you know they were harder than your average two or three pointer, but Nevertheless, he wasn't able to come up with them. Um, and Snyder actually had a chance to win the match um, if he could have hit his five-pointer. Um, mm-hmm. But he was unable to do so. The match ended up going to sudden death, tied at 15, I believe. Um, yep. And on the first sudden death question, uh, Paul Yama was able to pull out the answer uh, about Robert Duvall's cameo in... I forget what movie it was. but um, And... Snyder was unable to come up with the answer, uh, despite Roxy's encouragement, uh, and Paul was able to retain the belt six and oh, uh, a incredible start to singles. Like we've never seen before in the showdown. Um, and even though he didn't have his best match, you know, kind of like we talked about with Mike against Ben, even though he didn't have his best match, he found a way to win. And that's what you got to do as a champion. Sometimes you're not going to have, um, You know uh, your best match every single title defense, but you want to be one of the greatest champions. Like you got to find a way to win no matter what, and that's what Paul did here. Um, He's going to have you know another challenge before the end of the year. Whoever comes out of that singles tournament, Um, but he's shown now that he is up to pretty much whatever challenge um, he 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 has to face in this league. Um, And it was an impressive win for him.
0: Yeah, one of the things that I've been thinking about, I, I agree with everything you say about the match. I think. Snyder, yeah, really lost his head somewhere in the middle of this match, and thank God for Roxy because round he really, one he struggled too. Yeah. Well, round one he struggled, but I'm thinking like round three when Harry po- when you got when Paul got yeah. Snyder's choice and chose Harry Potter. Uh, yeah, like it seemed like Snyder was about ready to just throw in the towel, and you know if if Roxy had not been able to uh, encourage him even after he did, you know I think he ended up. But it was a four point swing there, so he had a massive deficit even going into. Into round into round four, and I think if not for Roxy, it could have gone off. The, it could have really gone off the rails for him.
1: And that's also a smart play by Oyama, right? Like yeah. Harry Potter, probably not his absolute strongest category, but he put it on the wheel for a situation just like the one that he got in this match uh, when he hit Spinner's Choice in that third round and was able to to pick the category because obviously Jeff doesn't know anything about Harry Potter. So
0: yeah, it's it's a next level of strategy that I, I wonder if people will adopt because yeah. he left spinners and opponents on the wheel. Which is very strategic as well uh you don't i don't even think i've ever seen it left on the wheel for a title match before um you might be able to correct me there it usually honest. gets left on the wheel i think left on the wheel yeah no it almost always gets taken off the wheel in title matches okay agree or disagree we will we will consult Frankie. frankie yeah <laughs> frankie numbers on, on how often spinners gets left on the wheel but i think that it gets left off pretty commonly with it with title matches uh but he left it on and he yeah, I don't know how many wheel slices they get to put on the wheel each. Maybe one or two. Is it two? I think. Um, I think it's two. Yeah. Well, regardless, he took one of his his ability to put one of his strengths on the board. He for he forwent that to put what he was a known weakness of Jeff. Yeah. Uh, and that is a tactical decision of itself, and that shows some confidence in your own ability. So yes, you may know Harry Potter well. Maybe you prefer to hit other things in that in round two, particularly. Uh, but because you you put another a, a real threat there, you know, if you get Spinner's choice or if he hits opponent's choice, you know you can go to a category that you're going to pick up a couple steals on, but he's not going to get any points in, well, and that's and that's a real key strategy that he. And uh, one thing that I w- one thing that I will say is that I find it interesting that Harry
1: Potter was an eligible category for this match because it seems like since Inner geekdom has kicked off and really become what it is. um, the inner geekdom categories have kind of been phased out, uh, of the regular Schmodown. Of course we have comic book movies where, you know, you can get those MCU DC questions, but like yeah. thinking about star Wars, star Wars used to be on the wheel all the time in the early, early times of the singles division. Um, But ever since the inner geekdom has really kicked off, you never see Star Wars in a singles match or you never see it come up at round rounds one or three. Like it's just basically reserved to inner geekdom and Star Wars. So it was interesting that Harry Potter was eligible for uh, the singles match, but obviously it
0: worked out for Paul. So do you think it should have been like that should just be a broader category of fan in like in fantasy sci fi? Yeah, I think so. Like Star Wars would be. Yeah. I think that's a fair. That's an interesting question. That is an interesting question. Yeah. Uh, I really think about that, but I also was surprised to see it on the wheels. Like, that's strange. But yeah.
1: Yeah, because I mean, when can you ever remember seeing
0: it in a singles match recently? I, I've never seen I don't think I've ever yeah. seen it in the singles match. But one other thing that I would I do want to say and a talking point, point, I don't think we have to spend too much time on this, but want to get your thoughts. Like you talk about it's clear now that Paul has is up for any challenge. And you know, I think that in the grand scheme of things and the I and mean, we've talked about this before, and I personally am not questioning whether or not Paul deserves to win the belt like he won the belt and he's defended it now he beat dan merle for the belt and he defended against you know one of the best teams players of all time but if you traded places and say you put someone like clark wolf uh, winning the title and had the run that paul had would people be questioning whether she should legitimately be owning the title right now i think that paul's had a relatively easy run and i just want some like self-referentiality that like people suck and like if paul weren't a guy that it would be probably ridiculed a little bit more i just am i am i way off in my thinking there or No, I don't think so. Like, I think that, uh, yeah, I I think you're right
1: in what you're thinking, but I wouldn't say that Paul had an easy run. Like, I think maybe if Clark, uh, yeah, I think people would accuse Clark of having had an easy run. Um, but I don't think that that's true. Um, because I think he has had some tough matches in there. Uh, I think what, what you're saying is true that, uh, there is a disparity in terms of, uh, you know, critiquing of, of one gender more than others, um, but like I don't if know.
0: Shannon Miller had won the title and said, like, let's say she won that match against Paul beat Dan and was champion and defended against Snyder. I still, I just think that people would be questioning whether or not she deserved to win it. Or like she deserved the belt. Cause she didn't face anyone tough besides Dan.
1: Yeah. I, I, I agree with that, but I just think that, you know, it, it's e- either way, whoever's being accused, it's, it's not true. Like it, it I don't see sure. it as having an easy run. I, you know, regardless of who you're playing, I think to get to six and O, oh, um, is an incredible feat, something we've never seen done before, even amongst the greatest of players. So Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe he had one or two uh, softer matches in there. Although, you know, you have to say you have to look back at that first match he played against Brendan Meyer and say, man, that was probably one of his best wins, uh, if we're being honest, because uh, what Brendan Meyer has been able to do recently is uh, pretty impressive. So
0: yeah, I, I agree, and, and obviously he had that win against Chance too. And Chance just had, you know, sure. we just talked about how amazing he was and, and has been in the team division, and could have a big run in the singles tournament right now. Uh, I do think that there's always like people mentally put an asterisk next to wins against rookies, right? Like even even if they're even if they're clearly good players and yeah. good wins, I think it's easy to mentally kind of put an asterisk by like, well, he didn't play Bibiani, he didn't play Irwin, he didn't, you know, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, Like for some reason, to be a valid champion, you have to go through like one, two, or like two or three of the greatest players of all time in order to be a real a real champion. Yeah, but we can move on from this.
1: Yeah, I think whatever the the criteria for a real champion is, uh, Paul has earned it at this point. But um, I totally,
0: hundred percent. To be clear, I hundred percent
1: agree. Yeah, I know you do. Um, Okay, let's talk now about uh, our other singles tournament matches that we have gotten so far. Uh, We have had a couple. Um, and let's talk about Brendan Meyer since we just brought him up. Uh, he took on Whitney Seibold in a match that I think a lot of people were on the fence about how to pick it in our brackets. I know that we certainly were, Scott, you went with Whitney Seibold, uh, and I went with the kid to make somewhat of a deep run to the semifinals, um, which I'm feeling even better about now that, uh, what happened at the top of this bracket happened, but, uh, yeah, this was a you know, we talk about the the masterclass and strategy from both Pauliama and Jeff Snyder that they play in their matches. This was the opposite of that from Whitney Seibold, who uh, sort of just bulldozed his way through this match, uh, guessing at two points uh, went to questions that he really did not seem to know the answer to, um, giving, giving Brendan the chance for two-point steals in one of his strengths, um, and then, uh, you know, culminating with him on his five-point question to stay in the match, um, kind of just giving up and saying a joke answer rather than, you know, actually, uh, you know, trying to, to make some sort of an educated guess, uh, just gave a joke answer of Dwayne, the rock Johnson. Um, so not, not a great look from Whitney Seibold. I think what we've seen in his first two singles matches is that he's much better as a team's player. Um, and I'm sure we're going to, we're going to get to see him, uh, as a team's player, probably in the team's tournament with, uh, Mark Edward Hoyk um, his new partner. The or
0: they play uh, Shazam in the first round? Oh,
1: that could be interesting. Um, and so I could see, you know, that team making some noise because obviously they had uh, a tough match. You know, they lost their only match in Anarchy last year, but it was a very tough match that came down to the end um, against, I believe, the odd couple, I want to say. Um, That's right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, an impressive match from Brendan nonetheless. Um he really took advantage of those steals that he had in round two, um, had, I think, six or seven points coming out of round one, um, and, you know, was able to capitalize off of the obvious mistakes that Whitney made, uh, which, you know, you you got to do
0: if you want to contend in this league. So good win for Brendan. It was a good win for Brendan. I was I was really impressed. Um, I hate to to take anything away from that win, and I don't mean to when I say this, but I was... Uh, more caught off guard, less by his strong performance and more just how not in the zone Whitney was, not just from a question answering and knowledge perspective, but you know, to your point exactly, not at all thinking about the intricacies of the game. Like watching that match made me pretty much convinced that I'll never predict him to win a single if he ever plays in singles again, I'll never predict him to win a singles match because that, I mean, is really, really poor, <laughs> quite poor. From him and in, in in the from the game perspective. Now, obviously, really smart guy knows a lot about still knows a lot about movie trivias And not all the questions went his way in terms of his particular knowledge. But he did not play to win, especially in that second and that second and third round in particular. Win strategy. Obviously, there isn't much strategy in round one besides just answer the answer the question. Uh, when strategy became more important, and yeah, his head was not there. I don't know whether it's he just didn't study and didn't know that Brendan uh, likes directors or. It was Oscars, I believe. Or Oscars, yeah, you're right. Sorry, sorry, yeah, it was Oscars. Uh, and didn't know that that Brendan uh, likes Oscars. I mean, I remember that being on the tail of the tape in Brendan's first match. And so, if he'd been watched, if he'd seen any of Brendan's matches, he'd know. Uh, and it, or maybe even he got Spinner's Choice one time and took Oscars. At, maybe both. But I think that if he'd studied it all, he'd have known that was a category of strength. And uh, Brendan was most likely going to get those questions right, regardless of whether or not uh he went to multiple choice and you gotta gotta do a little bit of damage control there and then yeah throwing in the talent in round three is never a good look uh not as still will never probably nothing will ever live up to the to the rage quit that snyder had against bibbiani but that's the closest that i've seen to that since then and it was really disappointing uh i think he's someone maybe like snyder who really needs a manager to to help him out in that so if he's going to return to singles he needs to find himself a faction probably yeah, or at the very least a team partner um Right, I just mean like if he returns to singles, he needs to find himself. Maybe.
1: Yes, if, if he returns to singles, you're right. Um, so yeah, Brendan Meyer moving on. And he will face uh, the the person who is now becoming known as the upset queen in terms of the ultimate Schmodown tournament. And that is Stacey Howard, uh, who knocked off Mark Riley. A, a Christian would probably say that Mark was the top seed in the tournament, although I don't think that there was any seeding whatsoever. I mean, yeah. There there was some consideration of the rankings, I think, in forming some of these matchups. But Rough,
0: rough consideration.
1: I right. agree. Um, but Stacey, yeah, you know, capitalize. Of course, we talk about this in our bracket pr- predictions, how we, we have faith in her and she, a, a lot of times, and she's never able to come through. And so uh, we both kind of felt like, uh, ri- picking Riley was the way to go. And naturally Stacy has one of those comeback matches here. I think supplanting her win against Mark Ellis as her, her best win in the showdown. Now, uh, it was this win over Mark, uh, Riley, you know, a match that Riley never really looked comfortable in. Um, he gave away some points in round two. Um, it felt like, uh, he just his his head wasn't quite in the game as it normally is. He wasn't as locked in as we have seen him at other times in this season. Um that being said, going into round three, he pulls out his five-pointer to take the lead. And you really think, well, that's it. Mark Riley's got it now. You think he's he's done what he had to do. He's survived, he's grinded it out. Uh, it goes to Stacy for her five-pointer, and she's able to pull out the answer to his stepbrother's question. Um you know, in very impressive fashion, uh, to claim the win, it was a dramatic match came down to the end. Um, but Riley, I think, you know, we, we talked about the ups and downs that he's had in singles this year. Um, I, I think this was kind of like his match against McQueenie, almost where uh, he he banked on a good round three, bailing him out of uh, maybe the the danger that he had created for himself in rounds one and two, and it worked out for him in that McQueenie match because uh, Drew was able to or Drew wasn't able to come up with his last couple of answers, but here um, Stacy you know didn't falter uh, and continued uh, you know along with the momentum that she had built up during the match to hit that five pointer and. Uh, It's a great win for her and another notch in the belt uh, of corruption and what Grace and Ken have been doing over there with that faction.
0: Uh, Very impressive. It was, it was an impressive win and you know, you got to give her props. She was, you know, we talked about it on the prediction special. Like you said, how every time Stacy comes up in a match, I can create, create an argument in my head that she's the person that I should pick to win it. And the one time that I don't predict her to win, she pulls out the victory. Go figure. But no, it was impressive. Wasn't, you know, Mark didn't play. I, like to be fair, I don't think Mark played like he was the one seed in this match. You mentioned he seemed like a little bit off. I think he's someone who's really going to benefit from focus on the teams division with uh, who's the boss coming back and the teams from it. I mean, not having played since the Chicago live event back in April, I think it was. And so I think that is something that's going to refo- help him refocus and get him back in the game. And I think that that slight dip that we've seen maybe in his performance in, in this match in you know, you could argue maybe in some of his other singles matches this year. I think we're going to see that dip disappear because I think he's at a point in his career where getting that little extra little bit of motivation of having the, your partner by your side and winning the belt, not just for yourself, but for your team, for your teammate as well. I think that's the motivation that he needs uh, and is going to get him uh, up into that top tier of schmidt on players again that we saw at the end of last season when Who's the Boss had their big run in the team's tournament. Then as well, so you know that's a team. Of course, being a huge Ben Bateman fan, that's a team that I'm really excited for because I think all the pieces of the puzzle are there for Mark, and just having that you know that extra ten percent of motivation uh, to to get a belt for Ben, who's you know someone who he's become really close to and and clearly really enjoys playing with. I think that's going to make all the difference. Uh, for Stacy, I think that now she, as strong a win that this was, she's going to hope she doesn't repeat. The 2017 Ultimate Schmidt on Singles Tournament in her uh, quarterfinals performance in the next round, and you know you could argue that Brendan Meyer maybe not as strong a player as Rachel Cushing. Uh, I think we, we're not sure about that. I think maybe the uh, the uh, the determination is still uh, out there. It hasn't been made yet. You know he's had a couple of good wins and he's p- clearly putting in some good performances. And you know maybe he'll he'll be as good as good as we currently view Rachel Cushing as in the singles and teams league uh, in matches to come. Uh, we'll see if he comes good on that, but Stacy can definitely be proud of the way that she, uh, dug out this match. Was it a perfect performance by no means or by any means? No, no, it wasn't, but it's been better than any other performance we've had this year. And maybe that was because she hit her five pointer. Maybe that was because she just got uh different questions. You're right. Maybe it was because she had Rose with her at the table. Who the hell knows? She had Julia um, Robertson round two. That definitely helped. Hey, you know, the wheel, I think that it's, it's easy to forget when you watch a lot of teams in intergeekdom matches where you know half the matches that we watch normally are teams in intergeekdom how big of a difference the wheel makes in the singles match when you only uh when you only get four questions right um and you're you're on your own and you know it it, ma- it makes all the difference in the top tier when everyone's getting most of their first round questions right and so you know julia roberts made, did make a huge difference and can she pick that up if she can get those round two questions in her wheelhouse or at least close to her wheelhouse where she doesn't have to you know, go to multiple choice on every question or guess Um, that, I mean, that's her downfalls have been on on the wheel this year when she's gotten categories that don't jive with her, with her knowledge. And, you know, we saw it against Janine when she got comedies instead of Uh, rom-coms, you know, maybe, maybe she's studying to fill those gaps. I don't know, but uh, I think that she'll just uh, need to put her head down and, and try to ride this momentum into the, into the quarterfinal, into her quarterfinal match.
1: Absolutely. And Scott, someone else who we're going to see in the singles tournament is Paul Preston. Uh, And we've gotten to know Paul very well uh, thanks to three matches that he played, uh, three singles matches that he played in the month of uh, August. Uh, He took on Rachel Silvestrini first. Uh, He then played Lon Harris uh, and finally took on David Del Rio. Of course, we first saw Paul with the Movie Guys team uh, who started out 0-1, uh, after losing to Inky in the brain. Um, and he was clearly the stronger member of that team. Um, and so I think we we thought that maybe he was a good candidate for singles. And uh, he's proven that he is in the, across these three matches. He did drop the match to Lon Harris. Uh, but we talked about this a little bit in our bracket predictions. <coughs> it was one of those matches where, <coughs> where he kind of controlled things for most of the match. Um, and it didn't feel... You know, Lon just stuck around enough to stay in the game, hit his five-pointer. It didn't feel like uh, Paul really deserved to lose that match or that he could have lost that match, uh, but he did, uh, and yet was able to rebound and get a win against David Del Rio in a match that he started off uh, far behind in, David Del Rio at the perfect first round, um, but then completely melted down in round two. Paul had a ton of steals um, and was able to to bang out his category as well, pretty strongly. Um, and you know, put David away in the third round, uh, to earn his spot in the singles tournament. Personally, he probably should have earned that spot a lot earlier. Uh, you know, given the criteria, um, uh, that it seems to make this tournament, we did have two people who were own one in the tournament. Um, I'm not sure why Paul had to play as many matches that he did. Um, to, to get in the tournament, but nevertheless, he is in the tournament and I'm excited to see him there. Cause I like the, the dude bro personality that he has created for himself uh, as the powder keg. It's, it's definitely a funny character. I love the gag of him uh, when he walks out and he already has an answer written down on his board. Um, of course, when a question hasn't been asked yet, um, and he's going to get that rematch against Lon Harris. Uh, if you want to know what we thought about that, go back and watch our bracket special. Um, yeah. But Paul's an interesting player, Scott, that I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a run in this tournament.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. He's clearly very talented, very knowledgeable. We saw that as you mentioned in his in the team's match with the movie guy. We even, you know, I guess you could say we saw it first on the free for all. But, you know, we, we finally got to see him in three singles matches. No idea why he played so many matches. Totally agree with your point on that, on that front. But uh Rachel Silvestrini, we expected him to win that match. That match was probably even closer than I thought it would be. Um, but you know, he he got the win there, and you're right you know, eked out a loss to Lon Harris. Lon just pulled it out in the end, but then had that crazy weird match with Del Rio where he was down. He wasn't down big, I guess, but he was down a few points at the end of round one because diamond Dave had that spectacular round one getting that perfect round. And then those, one of those rare instances where he managed to collect more points off of uh, Dave's questions in round two than Dave did, which is never a good position to be in. If you're the person who are being, who's being asked the questions and so from there, he kind of he kind of rode that to victory, which was good. And I'm glad he ended up in the singles tournament. you're right. I'm, I'm totally on board with you uh, saying that he's a, a new personality in the league that I'm really liking, especially in terms of people who have more defined characters. I mean, I love Brendan Meyer, but he doesn't have that much of a character. He's just kind of the kid, a, lov- a lovable kid, which doesn't really feel like he's acting at all. Whereas like Paul, I feel like Paul's actually doing something uh, with this character. I hope that they develop. Brendan a little bit more on that front and get a little bit more interesting but if you think of the other more you know quote-unquote more defined characters in the league and like really uh, from terms of singles division at least it's really video Drew and Paul in my opinion have the strongest personalities and uh, characters that we've seen that are new to the league this season I think that of course Oyama has a character of his own but it also just feels like maybe that's not his wheelhouse but Paul's clearly that's in his wheelhouse and I really like what they're doing with it and all the more reason to make sure that he's in the singles tournament.
1: Yeah, something interesting to think about, too, with that Del Rio match, Scott, and I think maybe I heard them talking about this on, I think maybe it was call to action, um, about the fact that Del Rio was not going to play in the singles tournament if he had won this match. And so if he had won, he was going to give his slot spot to somebody. Who do you think he was going to give it to? Yeah, it's just something weird to think about. I mean, I'm sure there was a
0: plan in place. Um, yeah, but, no, I mean, they're definitely, I realized that I just, I shrugged and I didn't, uh, I didn't actually make yeah. an audio sense of the podcast. That's dumb. Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea who. Because he doesn't have a faction.
1: Was, he doesn't have any teams. We haven't seen him in any cut scenes. And uh, he wasn't
0: going to be around the rest of the season anyway. So like if he was joining a faction, it didn't yeah. do anything because he wasn't going to be here for the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, something to think about, but yeah, I, I guess I don't really have any answers. There's not really any clues to go off of, but interesting nonetheless. Um
0: Yeah, I was wondering if it'd be like an, another rookie or something like that, like someone else who had who who is new to the league, but Yeah, video but Drew, Shannon, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, that would be weird though. Like Lishian and Miller's in the tournament, Brandon Myers in the tournament, like who else would there be to give it to? I don't know. Emmy, DJ eBay. Is he still in New Zealand? I mean, I don't even know.
1: <laughs> That's true. He was at the New Zealand Film Festival for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been in
0: New Zealand since like March or April, actually.
1: I, I don't know if we're going to be seeing him back for a while, unfortunately, but um, it happens. Okay, Scott, uh, in addition to the big teams match which we had, we had one other teams match. Uh, and that was, of course, um, this match uh, between the family and Inky and the Brain right back. or I'm sorry, between the family and Quote, unquote, only stupid answers that we had all the way back at the start of the month on August 1st. You know, we we saw from the thumbnail of this match that uh, Sam Basher, who is DJ Wooldridge's normal partner on Only Stupid Answers, was not going to be playing in the match. Uh, So there was kind of a big question mark there about who was going to be playing in the match. Uh, And soon uh, we discovered that Robert Adams from uh, Cinefanatics was invited from the crowd uh, to play with DJ Wooldridge um, in this match against Andrew Guy and Drew McQueenie. Um, And Scott, you have to say he started off slow. I, I believe he he couldn't come up with the answer to his three or four point question or to to his first three or four uh, questions that he had in round one. Um, but he uh, he once you know it is true what they say that that first question, first right answer is the one that matters the most because it seemed like once he did get his first right answer, uh, things did sort of kick into gear for him. Uh, he had a decent round two helping out DJ answered his uh, his question in round three, and I believe he even helped uh, his team answer the five-pointer uh, in round three to prevent a TKO. I think that uh, was all
0: him on the five-point question.
1: Yeah. Um, and however, though, you know, they were up against a stronger team in the family, uh, Drew McQueenie and Drew Guy, you know, two guys that I don't necessarily root for very often when they're playing in singles, uh, but he, I'm finding them to be a, a fun partnership uh, in teams. Um, and, you know, when co- complimented by their manager uh, Robert Meyer Burnett, uh, I think they could they could do some damage in the team tournament for sure. I think that their knowledge complements each other very well. Uh, With Drew, you know, definitely more well versed in some of the older uh, movies that you know classics and eighties and stuff like that. That uh, maybe Guy doesn't have as strong of a base in being a younger competitor, um, and you know, vice versa. Um, I, so I think that they could be an interesting team. Only stupid answers. I I think that maybe we're going to see them in the tournament. I, I want to say that there was something about that in the interview that uh, Sam will be back for the tournament. Um, so shout out right. to to them. Um, they're you know they're one and two. Uh, I'm not sure whether you know they're going to be able to pull off any upsets as strong as the team division is. Uh, but it was fun to see a fan get a chance. It was fun to see Robert uh, get his chance in the ring uh, and you know acquit himself very nicely. So shout out to him for that. Uh, and shout out to the Schmodown for making that happen.
0: Yeah, it, it was a tough introduction uh, to the white hot spotlight of the movie trivia Schmodown firm for, for sure. But I mean, I say he more than acquitted himself. I think he ended up having a just as good, if not better, match than DJ. Uh, towards in the second half of course you know it's hard to discount the three or four points that you just immediately throw in the trash when you miss them uh at the start not that he should have known all the answers to those questions but you know probably is kicking himself for you know a couple of them or so but yeah no i think he he did so well in the back half of the match that it's it's hard to to beat him up too much because i think they had video game movies maybe they had a pretty tough uh or round two category that i think that he really helped out with um yeah that sounds right yeah, something like that. It was a long time ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago. I'd almost when I saw it in the rundown for the show today, I was like, oh yeah, that match happened. I forgot that happened. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that happened. Yeah, so it I think it was a crowd pleasing match more than it will have an impact on anything that we see that happen for the rest of the season, but it's nice to have those sprinkled in.
1: Indeed. Uh, okay, Scott, before we talk about one little bit of kayfabe to close, uh, we have a couple of inner geek to matches to talk about a uh, triple threat match, uh, between the Warfather, uh, Shandru Dandapani and, uh, who, who is the other player in this match? Uh, David Moore, David Moore. Right. Um, you know, the Warfather obviously making his debut with, uh, an, an amusing character. It must be said. Um, And, you know, all three players playing pretty well in this match. I think David Moore, you know, obviously came up against Kevin Smets in his first match and couldn't do much about that. Um, But I think showed more of what he's capable of um, in this match. I I believe in his second round, he got a category. I want to say it was Star Trek uh, that he was not as. Uh, comfortable with or strong in and yet was able to grind out four or five points in this round. Uh, I, I was, I remember thinking, Oh, he might be screwed when he got that category, but uh, he was able to, to acquit himself nicely and, you know, get himself in contention there uh, in round three. Um, you know, as was the Warfather making his debut, pr- probably the weakest out of these three players. Um, but certainly not the weakest that we have seen in the inner division. Um, you know, this season or in past seasons, uh, I think sometimes people get into the game without knowing uh, r- what they're getting into in this intergeekdom division. But uh, I, I don't, we, you know, we don't really know much about who he really is, but I, I imagine he's a fan and uh, it probably seemed like, you know, it, it did seem like he, he had a decent, um, decent base in the game. And so he knew what to expect when he got into inter and he handled himself pretty nicely. Uh, but Chandru I think, I, you know, I did think going into this match that he was probably the favorite, you know, obviously with the Warfather being a wild card. Um, but you know, he had a close match, uh, in his first match again, you know, that, that four way match, uh, and when she played it with Brandon Hanna. um, it was a close match. Um, and, but you know, he was, he was impressive and he was impressive again here, uh, to get the win, um, and come out of this triple threat match and then move on to face Jared Haven, um, someone who he hadn't seen all this season. Um, but who had a couple of, you know, he, he will always have that great distinction of being one and zero with four knockouts after that, uh, five way match. He <laughs> truly legendary. He should
0: have quit. He shouldn't even played another match. He like really
1: he should has. have, especially cause I don't think he's won a match since then, but, he, um, he hasn't unfortunately. Um, but he's a nice guy. It's great to see him in the, uh, the schmo down. Um, uh, but yeah, he, he didn't have his strongest match here. He's been out of the league for a while. I think it showed, um, someone like Sean I think was just a little more hungry. Um, you know being a fan as well uh yeah. Shandrew, um and you know he got got the win and now he's going to get his rematch against Brandon Hanna and i think maybe in a you know in a one on one format uh Brandon Hanna is going to have a more difficult of a time than he did with Shandru in the five way format
0: yeah i think that that's definitely fair to say i think that Shandru it's always weird when you have those three ways, four ways, five ways, because there's so much additional. There's so many additional dynamics with stealing going on. It's, it's a, it ends up being a very different game because of the round two dynamics. I think that Shandru will benefit from just having it be a one-on-one. He even said that in his interview. I think after the match as well. I, I, and to your point, I think you know the Warfather David Moore. They were there having a good time. They are good enough players certainly to be in the showdown. And I think David Moore might even be underrated because. I mean, it's it's Kevin Smith. That was the person that he debuted against, getting TKO'd. But notable in that he was the only person to not be completely KO'd by Kevin Smith until Kalinowski uh, just edged him out on that final question uh, in the uh, number one contenders match. So David Moore, at least compared to everyone else, in, including you know a, you know a former champion N.J. Washington, is you know acquitted himself. In, nicely relatively speaking to the other, those other performances and so i was maybe a little bit more uh on whether or not david moore might be able to give sean drew a run for his money even though i did think sean drew was the favorite i think that david moore probably just probably didn't prepare as much as sean drew had for the match which was probably ultimately the difference and that's fine he was there to have a good time he put on a good show and i really enjoyed seeing the dynamic of him and the Warfather in particular because they were just there joking laughing yeah. having a good time and you know, we don't want everyone in the league to be like Mike Kalinowski or Kevin Smets. That'll uh, that will just be a little bit too much. And so it's good to have yeah. personalities like the Warfather. Like you got to have War... the Wildberries in there too. You got to have the Wildberries. One hundred percent, that's exactly right. People people come to watch the Schmodown Down not just for you know the incredible movie trivia performance that you get from people like Kalinowski, Cushing, Smets, etc. Uh, in in you know, particularly talking about inner geekdom here, but they also come for. Fun matches that you get like, you know, even like Tom Dagnino against Robert Martin Burnett, the lowest scoring match of all time, probably fun match to watch. Still hilarious match. To watch. What'd you say? Wild
1: equal ratings.
0: They do though. They do. They sell t-shirts on T public. You can find them over there now. Um, but yeah, no, I think that it was, it was fun to watch for that reason. And then he's going to get that rematch against Brandon Hanna because Brandon Hanna, uh, Brandon Hanna defeated Emily Rose Jacobson. That's uh, right. And her second match. I mean, you talked about, we've seen worst debut performances in the showdown. And I think that we might particularly be talking about her, one of, you know, from a winning, at least from people who have won their debut match, maybe one of the worst showings that we would seen in her op- first match against, uh, oh, she played uh, the guy from, Marshall, yeah. I'm sorry, Winston Marshall. Yes, Winston Marshall. I was, I was about to say Wilfred. I'm like, that's not right. Uh, <laughs> Winston Marshall. Yeah, who also had a rough introduction to the inner geekdom. But, you know, just quickly transition to that match, because I know we're dragging on a little bit here. Uh, I think Emily Rose Jacobson acquitted herself with a lot of acquitting that has been happening in this episode. Uh, she acquitted herself yeah, very fun, nicely. Yeah. She acquitted herself very nicely from that first match. You know, I was uh, worried. I was concerned for her because Brandon Hannah clearly had put in a very strong performance and he put in another very strong performance in this match, but she gave a much more respectable performance uh, again, maybe not the best round one, which set her back a little bit relative to Brandon Hannah. Uh, but really did a great job in round two and and then also answering a couple of her questions in round three as well, I believe. So strong performance from her. And I feel better about her getting more matches in the league after that, which, you know, there's this, there's these two tiers of the showdown. Uh, I think the, there is Kevin Smets, Rachel Cush. Well, RIP, Rachel Cushing, Mike Kalinowski, Mara Kanopic. maybe we'll see if she's as strong as she is coming back as she was last year. I expect she will be. And then everyone else, you got Adam Lavick, uh, Sean Drew, Brandon Hanna, that league, and I think Emily Rose Jacobson fits in that second tier, and I and I think there is a place for that second tier in the showdown.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's necessary to keep the Center Geekdom uh, division competitive for sure. Um, okay, Scott. Before we close, let's talk about one bit of kayfabe. The the big bit of kayfabe, I guess you would say, from this month, yeah. Robert Meyer Burnett, in his final act uh, as commissioner, uh, has come up with what he has deemed the nuke. Uh, And we saw scenes with him running it by both Roxy Stryer and Christian Harloff. Uh, Christian reacting like, you know, you're crazy, but I like this. Let's do it. Um, And... Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of speculation about what this is going to be. The fir- at first, I think we thought maybe something with the team's tournament because we haven't heard a lot about the team's tournament. Um, you know, the bracket, who all is going to be in it. Um, that's what I thought, too. It's yeah. a little bit clouded. But I think Christian maybe shed a little bit of light on that with a Facebook post that he had um, yesterday or the day before. Yep. Um, in which he said that the nuke is going to make people very excited about next season. So something that's going to affect season seven. Um of the Schmodown. I, you know, I don't know if this is going to have something to do with the live event. Scott, do you have any inkling about what this might be given now that it seems that it's going to have implications
0: on season seven? You know, Scott, I don't, I can't say that I have much confidence in what I think it might be doing, but the best thing that I can come up with, because it completely changed my mindset about it when, you know, exactly what you shared, Christian, Christian dropped that little tidbit that it's going to get people really excited for next season and all that I can think of, and I can't get my mind off of it, even though I don't necessarily believe it is that it's going to change the structure of the leagues. You know, we didn't necessarily get a change in the structure of the leagues last season, although we did of course get two different commissioners who run those two different chips. I think that what we might see next season as either a new league or a break, a breaking up of the league into multiple divisions, changing the structure of the leagues in that way, you know, maybe I don't necessarily think it's going to be tears, but maybe like an an East West sort of thing, uh, making it more of a structure that way and having a round Robin within the league. I'm not sure. I think I don't, again, I don't necessarily believe this because I've, I just don't know what to think about it. And and Christian always does a good job keeping you on your toes, but, and get, and always guessing and not always being right either. And I, and I think I'm going to end up being wrong on this one, but when I think about, okay, what's going to change the way I feel and how am I going to get excited about next season? it's going to be, it's probably going to be a structural thing. You know, last season to your point, exactly. The structural thing was introducing live events every month, whether they're on the road, whether they're in the studios with a schmodown throwdown, getting a live event every month. They can't really do much more with that. You know what I mean? Like they can't really much. I mean, maybe they can go to more live events, but they can't. I mean, yeah, because Christian has been saying like 12 to 15 live events or something. He wants to try and have. next year. Yeah. I mean, that that's his goal because he recognizes that the live events are the lifeblood, uh, uh, yeah. of the of the actual movie trivia right of course the patreon uh helping fund all of that but you know the the things that are get the most hype and the most attention this channel are those live events and so trying to get more of those but that's not a structural change anymore we already have the live events adding more of them is not a structural change and so I'm trying to figure out and think about what could be that same th- that that change in the same mold of adding live events and I can't really come up with anything more than restructuring the, the leagues i just need to think more about it um, maybe we'll get it some, some drop, drop of a few other hints, uh, as the, as the months roll on, as we get closer to the end of the season. But right now that's where I'm stuck. Yeah. I don't know when I think, when I think
1: about the nuke, I do think about something kind of like you've hinted at. Cause I think about stuff getting blown up, right. Um, yeah. you know, what, what is there to blown up? I, I, I've also thought about maybe like all of the belts being stripped from their respective, um, holders and it just being sort of a free-for-all you know with everyone sort of back in contention to to
0: claim a belt um i don't know if that would get me excited about next i don't know either i think he would just i think christian then would just be wrong about what would get me excited yeah what i do know is that
1: you know to that point you're you've made here every time christian has said you're going to get excited about something he's been right uh it is something to get excited about whether it's you know anarchy last year really delivered i think um the, the horse going back to the horseman reveal that happened, um, you know, every time Christian makes a big deal about something, some bit of kayfabe, it always delivers. I, I've learned to trust in, uh you know, w- what they create. Um, and I, you know, have a feeling that whatever, whenever we find out what this is, it's probably going to be something that we haven't thought of. And it's probably going to be awesome. Um, yeah. And so I, I'm, I'm excited and I'm glad that uh, we're already looking ahead to season seven. and um you know, it just shows m- how many steps more ahead.
0: Help. Yeah, it just shows how many steps ahead Christian is thinking, and how much of a master of his craft he is. And he's like Kevin Feige. Um, give him a Marvel movie. Let's do it. Um, give, no, okay, forget so- Marvel movie. Give him Masters of the Universe. That's what he really wants.
1: Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, him and Riley. Uh, okay, Scott. That should just about do it for this episode of Champs Lunch. Uh, we hope you have enjoyed either watching or listening to this episode. Um, if you have, don't forget about our Patreon page patreon.com slash mediaplugpods. You can support us over there. Um, If you can't support us, that's fine too. Uh, Don't forget to rate, review, uh, subscribe, like, do all the things um, on on the podcast feed or on YouTube, uh, wherever. And and don't forget to check out our other podcasts as well. Uh, Some like it, Scott, we'll be putting out weekly uh, podcasts. We just put out that Best of the Decade, and IT Chapter 2 is coming next week, so... Uh, big things ahead for uh, the main podcast uh, for the rest of the year ahead of us. Yeah, absolutely. And of course we'll be back next month uh, at the end of September uh, to talk about uh, the next batch of Schmodown action. Uh, But until then, uh, I've been Scott Harvey for Scott Shelton. We will see you next time. Champs lunch. (laughs)